Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. and Diana, can you um, introduce yourselves, tell everybody who you are, um, where you're from, and how you know each other? Oh, goodness. Diana, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you go first? You want me to go first? Yes. All righty. Well, I am Diana Lee. I am a trained physician and an expert in health equity. And I am originally from Mexico. But I actually met Rose at Bethune-Cookman University, where I used to work, and Dr. Grace still works there. And uh, when uh, Rose uh, and I met for the first time regarding the Music and Medicine Symposium, it really was her idea, and she was all excited to be able to create that. And so for me, it was a whole new entity. It was just fantastic. As somebody that has an autoimmune disorder, and I have to not only take medication, but I also use holistic approaches to, you know, for wellness myself. Uh, you know, it just sounded like the perfect, perfect thing to do, mm-hmm. not only for the community, but also for our the students at Bethune Cookman. Uh, absolutely, I don't think they were ever exposed to that before. And for us, it was a little nerve wracking because the students had never had that before. We weren't sure how they were going to react. And I'm going to let Dr. Grace kind of finish with with the rest. (laughs) Well, thanks. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't even know if you remember this, Diana, but I actually um, peripherally kind of knew of Diana from really quite a few years ago, Edbeth and Cookman, because I was put from the faculty association at that time as a representative to sit on, on this committee uh, of, the, of the university to represent all kinds of community task force and wellness programs. And Diana was heading the tobacco free, I remember, program at that time. <clears throat> so I just kind of filed that away, you know, in the back of my mind. So when I had this idea of bringing the music and medicine symposium, I thought, especially with Diana being the director at that time of our wellness center, I thought, my God, this is, this is like perfect marriage, right? Cause I, I don't have the MD expertise, um, but I had sort of the, the Tai Chi background and, and obviously my pedagogical and music background. And, and at that time that was the thing I was using. Um, I was using in fact, the holistic approach and especially the, the Tai Chi and Eastern approach with research towards pedagogical mm. uh, models in, uh, and and it was again like yeah Diana go ahead please I was gonna say was your personal story yeah well I was gonna say it, it literally all came out when uh, you know in 2013 I came down with this horrendous lung infection nobody knew what it was I was misdiagnosed and 
at first put on tremendous um, doses of prednisone therapy uh, and the steroid therapy just totally destroyed me. Um, and when I was finally re-diagnosed correctly by Mayo Clinic here in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, at that point, it, it, I was on such mega doses of prednisone. It was, it took me nine months to get off of it. I, I have to say for the first time wow. in my life, I think I, I truly got firsthand uh, kind of taste and knowledge of what uh, drug addicts feel like from withdrawal, uh, honest to God, because uh, I was experiencing all of that. But in the, in the meantime, you know, I had to... Uh, I, I was stubborn, I guess, in some ways, but I was, I refused to take a semester off from teaching and especially from all my amazing concert engagements that I had at that time scheduled because every, you know, all the doctors told me you just need to take a sabbatical. I said, no way. And, and I had just started taking Tai Chi lessons with my acupuncturist. And I thought, well, geez, I have nothing to lose. Cause I really was just non-functional uh, from the steroids. And, um, it was acupuncture and Qigong exercises that I'm not kidding, Richard, that, that made me basically enabled me to be at least lucid and functional for a couple of days. And I continued to play and, and, you know, and, and teach, but it also, um, I needed to almost like relearn certain things, you know, cause I literally had certain neurological disconnects as well as, you know, physical. I mean, I used to get phenomenal sudden cramps in my hands. You can imagine, I mean, literally looked like the tin man that would freeze kind of, and, you know, so how can you play especially, right? So that that's sort of what started me. And, and when it was so effective, I, I got fascinated with, you know, with, with the whole idea of why is, why is Eastern medicine kind of working and in combination with the music. And at that time, you know, that arts and medicine, I mean, arts and medicine was just starting to kind of creep out into the, mm-hmm. right into the real world. Honestly, that was the first time I ever actually started even hearing of some of the conferences and workshops about it. So when I really, um, I and also- what year read, was that? That was 2013, 2013. Yeah, so not even really that long ago. That's what's wasn't, fascinating it was, to me. Right, but like now it's exploding, right? I mean, literally with every month you see more and more creepy, you know, programs and and now it's like the standard wellness of, you know, MTNA and PAMA. But I mean, back then, no, like nobody, it was a, it was the best kept secret in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I also happened to read, um, Daniel Levitin's book, uh, uh, this is your brain on music, Mm -hmm. which just revolution, you know, and it kind of revolutionized and put everything in perspective for me. Like, Oh, this is why music and Tai Chi is working so well for me. And that's when, as I said, I started capitalizing on all this research, Western research, in terms of with the with the Eastern approach and what I experienced myself of, of designing my own kind of pedagogical model for my students here and started taking it to conferences because it worked so well, you know, as, as that just literally this multi-sensory engagement of the brain. Um, I still always wanted to somehow marry, as I said, the Western and Eastern approach and music into something more. And so in, in like 2018, I met this wonderful couple who kicked off. Remember, Diana, that's what I came to. Kicked yeah. off my first symposium, David Kaplan and and Stephanie um, uh, um, Meyer-Satin from uh, D.C. area. And they presented basically on Tai Chi as a routine uh, to optimize kind of mind and body with athletes and musicians. And, you know, when I heard their workshop, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the people I've always been searching for to, you know, put this together kind of for us. And that that was the kickoff. And what we did with Diana is um, I started thinking, why only performing artists? Because that was the big thing, right? It was music and medicine, 
and but performing artists, not like everybody. Right. So we did in our first symposium with and and using Stephanie and David sort of as our presenters, um, was to redefine a little bit performance. You know, beyond performing artists, like just performance functionality, right? So whether it was just a an elder person suffering from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or stroke victims, whatever, whatever neurological disorders or, or, or just even from stress and our students, you know, we, we really did bring this with our students in mind, as Diana said, we, they've never been exposed to any kind of Eastern, especially approaches. This was so revolutionary for them. And it was actually exciting, I think, to see how, you know, they were like sponges, right, Diana? I mean, they were just mm -hmm. absorbing it. Literally, we, because we were, we were, we were a little skeptical, like how would yeah. they receive this, right? And I think part of it was credit to Stephanie, especially, and David. Stephanie, especially, like she shared her personal story, and I think they trusted her. And that's the best word mm -hmm. I could say. And so they opened up and they saw this amazing new way how to kind of bring in coping techniques for themselves. I mean, we were amazed at how many kids opened up saying, you know, well, how do we deal with our anxiety and our aggression? And and it was just phenomenal to see this release through Tai Chi, you know. Um, but yeah, so so that was the kickoff. But as I said, we we said, well, we need to bring it to the students, um, to the community members, and really redefine what we mean by performance and and what we mean by optimizing functionality and performance. So the next one, we really again, we we always wanted to include the, the Eastern approach in there. So we had a, um, actually the acupuncturist there. Uh, and actually really talking about the relationship between the, especially the ancient, uh, you know, Tai Chi and, and acupuncture philosophy with indeed the connection to music, right? With, with the frequencies, the meridians and, and the healing tones. So that was actually fascinating for mm. us. And, um, and then we also decided mental health, mental health and, and, and nutrition. We had to we, we decided we had to bring everything uh, uh, from mm -hmm. inside and out, right? And and literally from head to toe. It can't be just kind of one-sided. So yeah, go, go big or go home. You got it. So that's yeah. kind of literally how, it, and it became so popular, I think, in terms of the just the demand. So this is, we just held our third annual symposium um, in February. Yeah, and it was virtual, virtual I'm guessing. Oh yes. my God. Yeah. You know, we were originally, remember we were talking like, Oh my God, are we canceling it? And then, and as everybody else started doing virtually, I said, wait a minute, why can't we? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing. I mean, it was pretty good. I want to talk about the integration process of like what steps you had to take to get that on board and kind of get people on board to have it brought in. But, um, uh, Diana, you brought up um, a phrase that I wanted you to kind of explain more for people that might not know what health equity is. Oh, very good. Well, health equity really is all the things that all, uh, it really is the balance that a person needs to have, all the things that enter that balance so that they can have the good health and they can reach the potential that they're supposed to have. So health equity is not the same as equality, right? So equity needs to be fair for that person in particular. For, so somebody, for example, um, yourself as a young man, uh, that our health equity would be different because my needs as somebody that is older than you uh, will be greater, for example. 
or somebody that may be, for example, uh, a young black man, you know, his needs will be different, you know. And so all of that, you know, comes together to be able to create the factors that ensure for a person to really reach their own potential. And health equity has three components. It has social determinants of health. Those are the, some of the things that determine our health without us knowing like where we live, where we're born, uh, health disparities. And that compares usually one group with another. Uh, for example, comparing uh, black women uh, with breast cancer to compare to white women with breast cancer, right? So we know that black women have a higher a mortality rate than, than white women. Um, and then the last factor is social justice. So when we talk about music and medicine, you know, we know that a lot of people enjoy that and benefit their health with music, but they're probably the greater population in the, in the United States doesn't even know about it, right. you know? And that's why I said, you know, it was a little scary to bring this, put it all together. And we were hoping that the students would of course embrace it, but it was, you know, and it was, it was, you know, a little hard to imagine. And I mean, they're young and this is not their thing. And I mean, I think we, I can speak for Rose when I say that both of us were just so overwhelmed with happiness to see them accept it and embrace it and love it and ask more and well, actually feel even better after the whole, all the sessions. Yeah, well, we really were blown away. And, you know, for me, especially, uh, Richard, it was the indicator was when, as I said, like three and a half years ago, when we were still in our normal settings of face-to-face, -face, obviously, right? <laughs> and we can talk a little bit about COVID because that's really how the training program really came about or, this, this, you know, was the catalyst for bringing it so quickly. But back then, what was for me was just, just um, you know, like like, milk and honey kind of is when we held it on a weekend and we came back, um, you know, during the week. And in my music history class, the kids who were attending the symposium, the first thing they asked is, Dr. Grace, can we do some Tai Chi warmups? I mean, and, and it wasn't just like, you know, one day. I mean, we literally did that for the rest of the semester. And many of them actually kept, I, I found out later, kept incorporating because some of them were, you know, and we're going to talk about that. What was lovely is, I mean, obviously we can get fancy with all the forms and everything, but that wasn't the point. It's just a, just a very easy, you know, breathing kind of uh, coordination, if you will, right? The deep diaphragmatic breathing, connecting it with just some movements that everybody can honestly do. Uh, and that was, I think, also the appeal, especially I think to our students. Am I right, Diana, that it was so accessible what Stephanie and David shared at that time. So I'm just saying, so the fact that the students asked me, you know, can we do this like as a routine? And, and it was great to hear that they felt it helped them just kind of focus and, and, you know, find their composure. And it was great. It was great. And, you know, that's like a positive social determinant of, of health. So something that they will be able to use in the future. And as blossoming, young professionals that they are, we certainly hope that they will talk about it and they will teach it to others, whether it's their family, their friends, whatever they go. So it is, you know, it is a sort of like opening their eyes to something that was not in their world. So right. we love it. 
Well, and you know, as I said, like with me, it started with kind of the pedagogical approach. And I have to say the other thing that was fabulous for me is in the summers, you know, well, except for this last summer, I taught at um, Blue Lake was the last, the most recent camp where I taught. And we did one of the, in the piano department there, we did one of the sessions with the kids with these little Qigong exercises, just to see if it would in fact kind of focus them, center them a little bit. And we had them uh, go up and perform something after it, you know? And it was just phenomenal, Richard. I mean, he, and these were, by the way, like, uh, you know, adolescent kids, you know, from ages 11 to roughly 15 or so. I was just stunned that after we did that little routine and we had them come up and, you know, play a little something, they all said like, oh, yeah, they like calmed down in their nerves. And more importantly, like really were, were focused, could breathe better. And you know, I mean, it's just wonderful to hear somebody else say that mm. as opposed to that's exactly what I experienced, you know, when I was going right. through that kind of, you know, agony of nine months. That's exactly what I felt is just just the whole system kind of literally opening up and in some sense reaching that balance, if you will. So who's invited to the symposium? I know you had it already earlier this year, yeah. and I'm assuming there's going to be one in 2022. Bad. Who knows what form that will take, if it'll be in person <laughs> or virtual. We're going to do hybrid. We're starting to think about it. We'll see yeah. if we realize it, but I think it would be nice. Uh, well, you know, this year, what we tried that was brand new and, again, uh, overwhelming success, and we're actually including um, this wonderful expert in our training program, uh, Heather Malek, is a audiologist on hearing wellness. I, I heard her actually at a conference. I was so blown away with her because she is one of the very few audiologists who actually works and specializes with performing artists and musicians. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. talking, you know, huge conservatories, orchestras, um, you know, the National Symphony Orchestra, the, the Metropolitan Opera, and so on. And we, of course, have a, a huge marching band here at BCU, at Bethune-Cookman University, plus our chorale. But you can imagine uh, the marching band especially, right? I mean, I mean, they're exposed. <laughs> We're talking about hearing levels that are unhealthy, right? I mean, forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm sure all the marching band directors, but it's not just that. <laughs> any, any orchestra musician, anybody, you know, I, I used to do some work with Disney. I remember doing uh, Disney's Pixar Live. It was the first time I was sitting there and experienced with clickers in my ears and, mm. you know, and, head, and headsets and, and the rhythm section, you know, of drummers behind me, which I have to say as a classical pianist, you know, I haven't really done that much. And I, I suddenly started worrying about my hearing wellness just from that summer. So we thought, oh, my God, we've got to bring this and especially to our community of, you know, el elder people also who attended. So anyways, it was just, am I right, uh, Diana, just so astounding, educational. I mean, it was so revealing. And we thought since we're bringing this training program that we'll talk about to healthcare and healthcare professionals and and um, music educators, they're all exposed to noise levels, I think, that we don't even think of that yeah. are unhealthy. So my point is the hearing wellness was a smashing success. It was phenomenal. She was fantastic. Yeah. It was one of the best uh, sessions. Okay. Yes. We definitely have a mental health component now because I think that that is so crucial to us too. Um, and we had um, we had a Tai Chi uh, expert actually take us through a wonderful routine this time. And, uh, you know, we always try to incorporate some kind of body movement, whether it's body mapping or like dance therapist, you know, and, and movement, things like that. 
Um, what else did we have? Oh, we had a wonderful, we did something new, Diana, this year. We had our own student who was just a recent graduate. Oh, yes. We talk about it, Xavier Walker in and the COVID pandemic. Uh, he was doing his internship, can you imagine, in music ed wow. in Lucia County, literally in the fall, in the midst of all of this, where, as he said, like, they didn't have a roadmap. They were making it up. No guidance. So, and I had the fun part and the scariest part is you get to make it up, but well, you also know, you have to make it up. So in the fall, I had him in my, in my research senior seminar class that I teach, and it's usually their senior project, kind of a research paper. And he asked me, he said, well, Dr. Grace, you know, I'm interning right now at a middle school here. And can I do it on the COVID pandemic and the takeaways from music educators? I thought, brilliant, original and brilliant. I said, run with it. So he did such an amazing job that I then said to Diana, you know, he's graduating. He's going to be technically our recent alum. We've got to have him because the, the emphasis of this year's, um, uh, you know, symposium, even though it was still all about uh, optimizing mind and body, obviously in general and health wellness, but it was COVID fighting the COVID fatigue. That was sort of the mm-hmm. title. So I'll let you talk about what Xavier kind of introduced, Diana. Well, you know, I want to say that about Xavier. It, what it was so amazing is that, you know, he showed us a video of when he was teaching. And, you know, unless you see it, it's like it's so incredible. He was teaching in a classroom setting. And then at the same time, he's teaching virtually. Yeah. So he was stuck in this one spot in the classroom, not being able to really move too much. But he has physical students there, you know, life students there. And then the virtual ones and having to split. And this is a young kid who just is just graduating. And I mean, he was just so fantastic. I have to say, I was just like amazed at him and so in love with him because he was just brilliant. The way he was doing it, he was brilliant. He was. Millennials. Well, what I also appreciated is he also gave good, well, first of all, as you said, total broad, total reality, as you said, the the, the, sort of the horror of it, um, but also hopeful optimism, I want to say. And so his take on us, right? And that was, was happy. Yeah, and that was the beauty is he said, you know, we also learned so much stuff. And I feel that way too, having taught the whole year remotely here myself. Um, there are good takeaways to maybe keep like when we come back face to face. So yeah, it's been sort of a silver lining. A lot of good has, especially in the arts and health community uh, has come out of it. You know, there's sort of that naiveness of like, well, we'll just figure it out. Like, because we kind of have to, and we'll see what happens. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it sounds like in his case, it a hundred percent has. Yes, so that's awesome. no, I just thought, I don't know how I could forget, Diana. Well, so the other thing that we did that was a little different this year is we actually promoted another arts organization in our area in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Body and Soul, who is run by a very dear friend and colleague of mine, James Jenkins. And but they have a partnership with Mayo Clinic. And so we had both sort of, you know, the Mayo Clinic Research Court of Coordinator, uh, Chris Yates and James join us to, to indeed show what what music indeed can do in the healthcare you know setting um and that was also just fabulous uh, james brought some wonderful um interviews you know of of performing artists again during covid and how they mm-hmm. were coping with it and some of the stories were just i mean just heartbreaking and heart you know really touching 
Um, and of course, the incredible work, I think also that Mayo then does with them in terms of research, it was just fabulous. So, yeah, it was an inter interesting symposium. Well, you know, the other thing that I was going to say is that the university is located in the 32114 zip code. And that is a zip code that has been identified by all community needs assessments as a desert zone. Mm -hmm. So it's the typical urban area that you can walk two steps and you can find fast food, but you cannot find one single banana around mm -hmm. you. So it is, it is an area that um, it has a population, you know, that most of them have lived there by generations, you know. And so the only real exposure that we have to music or arts is Bethune-Cookman University. Mm. Yeah. The proximity, the school is right there, but also financially, you know. I mean, the university offers a lot of things for free. Yeah. A lot well, of these programs that we offer, and I mean, I, I also coordinate our community performance series, you know, basically yeah. wonderful, art, you know, artists and, and guests. To I, the, these are all free. We never charge a cent. I know Rose has given concerts in uh, Bethune-Cookman's um, performing, uh, performing Arts Center and for free for the surrounding community, and they go. And mm -hmm. I think it's just so fantastic because, I mean, that's a population that probably could not afford. Maybe some of them, but not everybody. Uh, and also that it's it's right there. It is in their backyard. You have no reason not to do it. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. What have you, each of you learned? In, I mean, I'm sure you've learned a lot, but do you have like a story or something that you've both learned since in the last eight years since this started? Oh, God. <laughs> well, we could we could write a book each Just, one. Yeah, and you should. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I guess um, when I was I left Bethune Cookman last year, uh, but when I was working there, um, you know, it, it was very satisfying to be able to teach the students a lot of the things that they may were not exposed before. And to give you an example, I was able to get uh, a grant so that I could pay for health assessments for them. And so I would hire a healthcare provider to come on site and provide them with a complete health assessment. I mean, from cholesterol to glucose to physical examination to the whole thing. And so for them to learn you know, their health status and how they were and just things like that, that it was very rewarding. And for example, with this uh, symposium, you know, I was able to share with the students uh, how uh, for myself, when I am not one that meditates, uh, I find myself a little restless and I, I feel like I need to keep on moving. So I'm the kind of person that for me, meditation is I have to move. And so I found a perfect meditation for me, which is tapping, you know, and I, I do tapping, you know, almost every day. Uh, if I have some kind of uh, anxiety for whatever reasons, you know, like one time I lost my flight, I couldn't take the flight, I had to spend the night in the city. Um, then, you know, I do tapping to sort of like bring myself back to a good place. Can you show us and explain to us what that is? 
Absolutely. And that's the one part that I was saying to you that I that I wanted to do. And so for tapping is a, is a really a technique that was uh, invented back in the 90s. Uh, and uh, although some people don't believe in it, I absolutely love it. I feel that is the kind of thing that you can do anywhere at any time and it's free. So the first thing that you have to know to do tapping is it is based on the nine meridian points that are always identified, for example, in acupuncture or acupressure, right? Uh, so what you do is you start with your hand and then I'll use this one. So you put your hand like in a karate chop and you tap very gently and you can, you know, bring up your anxiety what is happening on that day. And at the same time, you are going to reassure yourself of who you are and how you feel about yourself. Mm. So for example, I can say, even though I feel very anxious, I feel nervous, I'm about to start a new adventure, I'm going to do a presentation or my mom is having a fit today and she's making me all upset. Although I am feeling anxious, I know that I trust myself and I love myself fully and completely. And then from there, you move to on top of the eye and you repeat the same thing. You know, even though I don't feel well, I feel anxious, I feel terrible. I lost my flight and it was my neglect and so now I have to take another one. But I know that I trust myself and I love myself fully and completely. So then you move to the next point and continue to reassure yourself, even though I feel so anxious, I feel upset. I know I'm a good person. I love myself and I trust myself fully and completely. Then it's under the eye and it's the same thing. You know, you reassure yourself, even though I'm upset, I know I try my best. I'm, I do the best that I can. And I love myself and I trust myself fully and completely. Then above the lip, and you continue to say, even though I may have had a terrible day today, I trust myself, I trust my judgment, and I love myself fully and completely. Then under the lip, and again, I something happened today and it made me upset. And even though that happened, I love myself and I do trust myself fully and completely. And then on your, you know, like in your clavicle, uh, and yes, I'm having a hard day. And even though that is happening, I trust myself and I love myself fully and completely. And then on this side of your chest, kind of underneath your arm. And even though I had a hard day, I trust myself. I have a good judgment and I love myself fully and completely. And the last one is on top of your head. Just gentle tapping. And this was a hard day but I am a good person. I know I, I will be fine. And I trust myself, I trust my judgment, and I love myself fully and completely. 
And that's it. And then you repeat that as many times as you need it. It takes about two minutes. You can go in the bathroom and do it. And you feel a lot better. It sort of brings you back to a state of relaxation. Yeah, totally. Did you love it? Yeah, yeah. it was like your own little massage, like your little personal like massage. It was nice. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's for me is a type of meditation that I need. I need to be moving. Mm-hmm. So that, I love it. I just find it very, very relaxing. I love that. Thank you. You have an event coming up in August that I want to make sure everybody knows about. And I know y'all are very excited about it and you should be. So tell everybody what's happening um, starting August 27th. Yes. Well, that's our target date for launching this new holistic training program that, um, and I have to say, we're so grateful with Diane. And we have actually another colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Daniel Haller, who is joining us from Cookman. He his expertise is clinical psychology and especially trauma, in particular trauma and mental health. So he is actually on our team, the three of us. Um, and as I said, we're so grateful to the PAP Steinmetz Foundation. Uh, I mean, we for having, I guess, confidence in us for awarding this, uh, you know, funding, because honestly, without the funds, we just would not be able to to bring this. But it really is an extension of our uh, philosophy, if you will, of our annual symposium. Um, But what precipitated it, as I I started uh, to mention earlier, Richard, was really the COVID, I think, pandemic. I mean, we, we, we thought with Diana, why wouldn't it be wonderful if we could start offering some workshops during, you know, during the year, not just this one annual event, um, you know, but, but do something. And especially for the students, for the community. And, and again, we had it in the back of our minds. And then when COVID hit, and honestly, I think especially when we saw the devastation and also heard about the devastation from obviously Mm -hmm you know, all the networks about the healthcare workers, all the first responders, but especially the healthcare and the educators and especially music educators, I want to say even more so, and performing artists only because, you know, as you know, like all of performances and including myself, I mean, everything got canceled, right? That's yeah. the one thing mm-hmm. not do, unfortunately, still, is actually have live I mean, without the the help of obviously splicing engineers and producers, I'm grateful to them all. But the point is actual collaborative, you know, ensemble performances, unless you're doing a solo recital, it just doesn't work. And it hit us so much in the face, both with our students, with with ourselves, as I said. And then, of course, the amazing trauma of death, devastation and illness, I think that the healthcare workers were also facing. And this need of, uh, right, of just coping mechanisms, if you will. And that's when Diana and I seriously started saying, oh, my God, like if there is ever a more relevant, uh, right, and and, and more importantly, more essential time to try to launch these type of uh, workshops, basically. But as a comprehensive, you know, program, not just piecemeal, because, you know, we know there are a lot of little webinars now being offered, in fact, by all the arts organizations that we mentioned. And yeah, you can go and search an article and a wonderful little video, but it's all kind of, you have to do it yourself. It's all haphazard. We wanted a comprehensive, uh, you know, coordinated and, and very targeted um you know, program, and as well as, as I said, all of a holistic approach, but it's validated by the Western 
you know, scientific and medical research. I mean, I think that's really where our the power of our training program were, you know, mm. lies. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could offer these workshops as stress reduction, as coping mechanisms, but also in the workplace, whether as a healthcare, you know, as a nurse or technician or as a music educator teaching good habits and postures to your students, right? If we could also integrate that aspect, you know, how do we use our bodies properly? So that's where body mapping and, and Tai Chi comes in, right? And how do we optimize that usage, proper usage in our workforce and as well as personal lives? And then of course, bring the mental health, the nutrition, everything together and and the music obviously and that that's literally how it came about and i think we looked we looked up some of the foundations realized that pap steinmetz foundation had in fact a good alignment with us uh with our mission shall we say and i think it was what like 20 days before the grant was due <laughs> and i said to diana we can do it we can working so hard i was staying up to like three four in the morning writing the narrative this back and forth you know via emails and stuff and virtually because we were of course in a virtual setting we got it in and i just said okay you know it would be lovely if we got it but of course we don't have a chance i mean that was my attitude of course (laughs) because i've done some other grants before that especially federal and it was it was always you know they ever all liked the concept but something was found and we got rejected anyway Lo and behold, as I said, on in February, early February, you know, I got got the letter of acceptance of being fully funded. And wow. I, I, I told Diana I had to pinch myself about I was gonna it say before I actually called her and yeah. said, you will never believe what I just Do we said. wait until we have the check in order to announce that or how yes, is yes. So and how do people sign up for it? Well, we are we are literally are you at capacity already. We're in the midst of doing that, but basically, right. yes. So we will. I mean, follow us. Actually, please. Uh, I guess everybody can follow us uh, on Facebook at um, BCU uh, Community Performance Series page. Um, but we're we're actually almost done with the demo video that we're doing for it in brochures. But we will basically have yeah, uh, you know, electronic registration and and sign up and and really the first cohorts or the targets really of these first cohort groups are truly healthcare and first responder professionals. And as I said, educators, especially music educators and, and performing arts. So, so what's neat, and this is also where our colleague, Danielle Holler is gonna help us as well. We're also trying to make uh, conduct a research study out of this. So we're hoping many of our participants will be willing to you know, partake in it through questionnaire. They're, they're gonna be actually qualitative and quantitative questionnaires but we really are interested to see, you know, where when they go through the series of these workshops before and after, uh, because we're also going to have interactive components of modules of, you know, indeed Tai Chi and body movements and things like that. And, and obviously educational awareness of all of this. Are they going to feel, you know, a change? Mm-hmm. I mean, mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're hoping to to get some good data out of this. That's so exciting. I think that's what I learned from from yeah. since being in the arts and health field, which it's only been a f- couple of years, that everything you do has to be tracked and everything is a research project is what <laughs> I found out because we're still trying to like get everybody on board. So everything, you can't just do it and walk away. You have to, you have to uh, write down what you're doing. 
Correct. Well, and you know, Richard, if I may, I, I, I know we're almost over time here, but you asked what, what did we learn? You know what I, I think? So now I've been basically involved in this for what, about seven, eight years, roughly or so. What I'm absolutely astounded is by the people that mm-hmm. I have met through this, uh, whether it's in just, you know, casually, whether it's within the performing arts, or, you know, the, the performing world, music world, or especially among the scientific world, whether it's at a conference, at a school. And I feel, I mean, the stories, I have to honestly say, I think the personal stories to me of many of, 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 of these individuals is what is absolutely astounding, touching, moving, yes. inspiring. And also I sort of relate, I, I always feel like they validate me, you know, in the sense like, oh yeah, well, like what I experienced you know, eight years ago, I wasn't like totally nuts for feeling it yes. and sort of feeling the benefits. Because I think sometimes when you get caught up in it, you, you do start thinking, are you kind of making it up almost, right? Mm-hmm. And and you realize, no, there really are other people. I mean, I, I as I said, obviously the, the, the Western research and science is, clearly validating it but that's still somehow uh, it's that outer if you will right kind of publications i mm-hmm. guess I don't know. they don't have a face to me they don't have a personality but when you meet the people who kind of relate the same similar stories and especially some really miraculous stories i mean i have to say when i when i hear people especially who start, suffer for example from dystonia or stroke victims and music is used with it and and the miraculous progress recoveries to functionality that these individuals you know experience i mean it literally brings me to tears to this day i mean i just every story is is still inspiring and so i feel like with what diana said i think what i'm seeing is with this wonderful opportunity that the paps diamonds foundation gave us to bring this training program as a as a start sort of uh, of this next phase I also see so many limitless possibilities within our community here, within the healthcare and education uh, environment, and, and and not just you know here in Volusia County, but literally in the entire Central Florida. I mean, as I said, this is exploding, mm-hmm. but it hasn't quite exploded to the to the level we would all like to. Yeah, see. It's simmering; it's not boiling over yet. But I, it, I, I think that's what I have found since even starting this podcast is like you sort of feel like you know when you're in the hospital and you think you're the only person who's on that floor because you can't leave your room and it's very isolating and you think I'm the only one that has whatever I'm in here for. I feel like oftentimes in our field, that's how we feel too. Like we're the only ones that are doing anything. And then we started this podcast and it it is all the stories that we're hearing like yours that you're really like, oh, this, this, there is a community out there. We're just not talking to each other all the time. And right. it's so fun that I, that I get to do this and talk to everybody and really see, you can see everybody, everybody that comes on this podcast, you see them light up the entire time and just right. like- <laughs> because it's so exciting and, and you can't, you just want to shake everybody and be like, no, there's yeah. a reason why we're doing this and everybody yeah. should. I think we all share the same passion and I yes. think we all see these, as I said, truly limitless possibilities and opportunities to to really make them realities. Yes. And that's what I hope, you know, I, I have to say, I love the in the mission statement um, of, of the Pap Steinitz Foundation. They, I think Margie has something like, they love to support, you know, uh, practice models that can have this ripple effect. I I love that phrase because this is true. That's how I feel what our training program can do. I'm hoping it really have that ripple effect 
first within our immediate community of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of both on the campus with students and faculty and staff, and obviously within our, you know, hospitals and nursing home facilities, and, and especially our public school settings, who desperately, I think, needed. Um, but I hope it really does ripple beyond that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what's so exciting. So. It is exciting. I want to uh, thank you both for jumping on here and talking to me today. Do we have any final thoughts for the day before I let you both go? I know you're in a different time zone, so I don't want to keep you up all night. No, we're good. Um, Diana? Well, I just want to say I hope everybody continues to do what they're doing. I mean, that this is something that is can really make a difference in people's lives. It's like I said, it's a can be a positive social determinant of health, you know, for people to learn about the benefits of music or the arts, you know, in our health. Well, and, and what I would like to maybe conclude with, and this is something that um, from some of our testimonies of, of you know, professional healthcare people who, individuals who attended our first symposium, as well as our own students that kind of said, and I feel that way, it is such an easy way to integrate music. And, and as I said, these holistic uh, approaches, whether it's the tapping, the acu, you know, acupressure, or, or as I said, simple Tai Chi routines that are not, you know, terribly, I mean, we're not, I think here all to get black belts in it, right? But, but the simple um, you know, sort of uh, strategies that you can truly incorporate into your daily lives that do not take hours. Mm -hmm. They're all essentially free, honestly. I think that's the other thing. But more importantly, they're so easy and accessible and they really do elevate all of our health. And, you know, I mean, it's a question of, you know, incremental, you know, degrees maybe or just amazing degrees of, of differences. But there's no question it's beneficial for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can... And I guess that's what I love about it is that we have the opportunity to share that and really in that sense, maybe elevate not only the awareness, but honestly, the functionality and wellness of our community as a whole. Um, I think that's what's exciting to me. It's super exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to okay. you can come back. We record two episodes a week. You can come back whenever you want and we'll hang out because I can talk to you both all day long. Uh, make sure you go to heartsneedart.org and click on the podcast link for all the notes and all the links for from today's show. And uh, make sure you're subscribing wherever you're watching or listening to the podcast. I want to thank you both for being here and uh, we'll see you or have you listen to us next week. Keep creating everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader, and produced by Ivan Briones. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartsneedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartsneed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.